touchdown or turnover by Balcoa 10 Federal Credit Union, a place where you belong, better rates and better service. Ben McKee, Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center Studio. Chris Lowe of ESPN will join us at 5.15. We had Charles. 5.15. I don't know if I'll be here at 5.15. 8.15. I was up at 5.15 um, early this morning. Oh, man, just getting a little work in. That's all. That's all, man. What time did you go to bed? Um, 12-something? 12-something? I actually woke up at, like, I actually woke up at 2, and I was like, um, it's not time to get up. What am I doing? I, like, I was ready to roll at 2, and I went back to sleep, got up at 5, and then um, then was ready to, ready to roll, man. Took the, took the pup for a walk. He bargained at folks. Waking folks up. Ooh, and your, na- your neighborhood's going to hate you. I don't care about these folks around right Like here. that, man. They want to wake me up. I don't care. Actually, I actually was trying to get him a style, but he, you know, he, he's still a puppy, man. He's six months old. Oh, he ain't going to listen. Yeah. You know, barking at folks. So, trying to trying to get him right, man. So, uh took him for a walk so that way he can chill out during the show. Yeah. I, I, I do prefer him chilling out during the show. To <laughs> bark, barking at folks on his walk, man. He's uh, <laughs> you know, he's puppy, he's hyper, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Eight fifteen, Chris Lowe will join us. Not five fifteen, uh, and then Jackie Cheryl, former uh, college football coach, coaching SEC, coach at Pitt, coach with, coach majors at several stops. He will join us at nine a.m. Um, and you want to, you want, you want to hear some stories between Charles Davis, Chris Lowe, and Jackie Cheryl. You're going to hear some stories today about Coach Major. So, uh, definitely want to make this show uh, today heavy, Coach Majors, because of uh, the classic between Pitt and Tennessee uh, this weekend. Um, and we're going to have some more um, former Johnny Major players and people close to Coach Majors um, tomorrow. And so, I'm looking forward to to that as well. All right, touchdown turnover, Joe Milton. Tennessee will connect on three or more 30-yard-plus passing plays on Saturday. So the so the magic number is three. Three-plus, 30 yards or more passing plays against Pittsburgh. Touchdown or turnover. I ask this because... Um, Senator Tillman talked to the media yesterday, talked about the past game in the, in the first game and how those corrections have been made. Um, do you feel like we will see three or more 30-yard or more passes? That 30 yards is not that much. Uh, but, Ben, what you got, man? Touchdown, turnover. I say touchdown. And, again, hear what Swain just said. Uh, 30 yards isn't a ton in, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, that could be a – 10, 15, 20-yard route and somebody make a guy miss and pick up some yak, some yards after the catch, that, that can equate to a, a 30-yard completion. Uh, so I, I say touchdown. I, I do think Tennessee manages uh, to be a, a little more efficient in the passing game. I am, am still, quite frankly, very concerned moving forward uh, just with the, the amount of guys that Joe Milton did not see open that that is very concerning to me and like yeah I get it it's one game but Joe Milton is a fourth year player it's not like he's a true freshman making his second career start 
this this weekend. Uh, so that is concerning. I'll be curious to see how much Josh Heupel and this coaching staff can correct that aspect of, of Joe Milton's game. That right now is the most concerning to me. Uh, and then also the receivers did not play well outside of Cedric Tillman, in, in my opinion. Uh, Tillman looked good on on Thursday night against Bowling Green. He, he did his job. He, he was getting open. He said that in this offense, the receivers aren't asked to block a lot. I didn't really understand how that could be possible. Maybe you can give us some insight here in a minute. I don't think I should. Into that. Okay, let's, let's not. Uh, but he said when he, when he did block, he, he did grade out well. So it, it seems like Cedric Timmon really had a, a nice opening night. But the rest of the receivers, whew, not, not, not the greatest performance. So uh, I, I'm still concerned about the, the passing game. In that regard, Joe Milton missing wide, o- wide open guys and, and just the, the lack of assertiveness and, and lack of physicality from the receiver room outside of Cedric Tillman. But I do think they take a step forward this this weekend. Although I'm concerned, I don't think they're as bad as they showed against Bowling Green. And Cedric Tillman, as you mentioned, spoke with the media and said that throughout fall camp, Joe Milton hit on those deep balls for the most part. Obviously, you're not going to be perfect. It's not a easy completion to make, but he he did say Tillman did that. Uh, Joe Milton uh, hit on those passes for the most part during fall camp and and during the game. He was on the sideline and they were chopping it up and and correcting their mistakes and uh, talking it out. And uh, they've been hard at at work this this week trying to correct those mistakes on the deep balls that were not completed and said that he did not expect it to be a problem going forward. Uh, I also expect Jalen Hyatt to, to bounce back. You mentioned him at the end of, of hour one. Uh, Cedric Tillman said that he's got a ton of faith in, in Jalen Hyatt uh, as well, that he just needs to clean up a, a couple of things and uh, remain locked in. And uh, he, he makes big plays in practice, and, and Tillman trusts him to, to go out there and be a big playmaker for, for Tennessee on on game day so uh, I think Hyatt also gets gets better so I say touchdown I do think Tennessee will have at least three completions of 30 yards or more I think Jalen Hyatt's uh, long against Bowling Green was 30 yards and that was a uh, an intermediate catch where he made one guy miss hit the sideline and picked up uh, 30 yards on, on the play so 30 yards is not a lot and we're talking about 88 plays that was ran against Bowling Green you should be able to get three three plays, explosive plays in the passing game uh, or more when you're running 88 plays. So I'm going to say touchdown. Uh, I think something that you have to do if you're going to win this football game. So I'm going to touchdown. I think we will see uh, three plays of 30 yards or more in the air. Um, I think we will see that. Um, GBO for life on the text box. Since after watching the film, I believe Pittsburgh will start to stock the box more and force us to go over the top. I think we will know a lot about our passing game after this weekend. Well, absolutely. I mean, what would you do if you were going up against Tennessee? You would you would force us to play towards the weakness of game one, which was um, connecting in the passing game. You got two running backs that rush for over 100 yards. You got an offensive line uh, that I think may be a little bit better at run blocking than pass block. I know K Mays prefer run blocking. Yes. I know that for sure. I know that. Uh man, I, I love me some K Mays, man. I, I love his I love how nasty he is, man. Cade Cade has 
has really become a, a fan favorite in my eyes. Like I, I never thought poorly of of Cade prior to to doing Tennessee Prime, and and you could always tell just through social media that that Cade does have a, a personality, but his personality is is really coming through on Tennessee Prime the last two weeks, and I, I've begun to really 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 like Cade. Um, again, I didn't have a bad opinion of him before. It's just I, I didn't really know his personality, which is why doing media availabilities and, and things like Tennessee Prime are, are in my opinion, so important to, to players because uh, it gives you a chance to show off your personality. And, and Cade has done that the last two weeks and, and has been awesome. And uh, I've really grown to like Cade. And if you missed last night's uh, Tennessee Prime, you can check it out. Uh, it's, it's in podcast form on the Swain event app on on soundcloud on on apple so many different ways to to listen you can go back on youtube and and watch you go back on facebook and and watch and i encourage you to do so tyler Barron and Cade were awesome last night uh brandon luckett nah bro uh (laughs) south pittsburgh says what player from the past could you insert into this roster to give this team biggest boost overall peyton manning yeah um (laughs) I think this game is going to come down to Tennessee's defensive, you know, Tennessee's defensive line. I think when you are playing against a a team outside of the SEC, uh, one thing that you hear coaches talk about the difference with this league, it is the athleticism, it is the speed, it is the power uh, of the defensive line and how deep uh, the defensive line units are in this conference. I think Tennessee's going to have to really show up in that area. So uh, I would probably take somebody from the past on the defensive line if I had to pick. Or are we talking about for this particular game? Mm-hmm. I, I would still go quarterback just because I think quarterback is, is still a, a big question mark for Tennessee. But if if not Peyton, then, then I agree with you. I, I'm going defensive lineman. Give me Reggie White or Derek Barnett. I'll tell you a sneaky matchup that I'm worried about from Tennessee's perspective going into this football game is the center position, center position matched up with uh, Pittsburgh defensive tackle Kalijah Clancy. Uh, if, if you go turn on the, the film from the game against UMass, uh, Kalijah Clancy, uh, a redshirt sophomore, wears number eight, a big old boy right there in the middle of, of Pitt's D-line and was the player everybody was talking about on Pitt's defense coming into the season. He looked really good against UMass last week. And again, I get that it's UMass, but again, he was the guy that everybody was talking about coming in the season, and, and you kind of look at who he would be going up against, and it's that center position. And Cooper Mays. Drone Carvin, probably. Banged up. Yep. I, 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 I truly don't have any insight to whether Cooper will be available this weekend, but just reading the tea leaves, I mean, it doesn't seem like they're, they're too confident. Uh, it, it seems like he's really – like that ankle is, is really hampering him. And I mean, even if Cooper can go – I mean, how effective is he going to be able to be with a bum ankle going up against a great player for four quarters? Four quarters, keeping that thing loose. In September, in the heat. Yeah, well, in the heat is better than playing in the cold. It's it's when it hits halftime and and, uh, you got to keep that thing loose. Uh, Now, he's going to be on some pain, pain meds, and so – uh, it'll it'll be hitting him real hard, going through his veins, and maybe it, the you know he's a guy that can handle the pain. It's not a big deal, but he's also playing a position where there's not a lot of movement. You know, there's not a lot of cutting things like that. So linemen can typically play 
uh, with the bum ankle, whereas you know skill position, skill position players can't. Because you're cutting. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, how severe is it? Is it a high ankle sprain? If it's a high ankle sprain, he's going to have some trouble. Uh, but if it's a normal ankle sprain, something like that, then he may be able to play through it. But the question is for how long uh, and how, how long can you play less than 100 when the guy in front of you is at 100? Yep. And so – and you know. the guy in front of you is really good. So yeah. that, that's a matchup that I am low-key, high-key yeah. concerned about, whether it's Cooper, Jerome, or whoever. Tennessee's going to have to do a good job with Kalijah Cansey right there in the middle of Pitt's D-line. He looked really good against UMass. Well, let's take a break, man. Let's get Chris Lowe on here. And um, after we have Chris Lowe on, I'll, I'll answer big Orange Jay's question. Who says, no, Swain, tell us why the receivers are not asked to block. Yeah, you ain't getting out of that one, my guy. I mean, I'll just tell you, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that. But I'll, I'll go in detail after we talk to, to Chris Lowe. Um, so we'll take a quick timeout, and uh, we'll bring on Chris Lowe, senior writer, ESPN. Uh, coming up next, stay with us. While the other guys are taking guesses, the Swain event is taking you behind the scenes and in the huddle every morning from 7 to 10, right here. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42ST.com or give them a call at 865 382 7007 42nd Street Brand Strategy Design More and more Tennessee businesses are switching to Iris Networks for reliable, local, high-quality, high-speed business fiber internet. Iris provides direct internet access from 10 megs to 10 gigs with no payments for 90 days. Iris also offers next-generation business phones with work-from-anywhere capability from the mobile or laptop app. With local sales, support, and service, Iris is a partner in the community. Learn more at irisnetworkusa.com or call 865-448-IRIS. Iris Networks, a Tennessee business connecting Tennessee businesses. When you see the happy face on our truck, you'll be smiling because you'll know that you're in love. At Hiller, we care about your family's comfort all year long. If you get caught without air conditioning this summer, we're offering a free service call with any repair. That's a free service call when we do the work on your HVAC system. Visit happyhiller.com to schedule your appointment today. Call the happy face truck today. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. There is no better restaurant in town to enjoy the madness of March with. Cheer on the Vols and the Lady Vols with the best barbecue around. 
Check them out online at deadmbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. You don't have to take an L just because you can't listen to the Swain event live. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app, online, and on iTunes. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Chris Lowe of ESPN, senior writer, will join us right now, actually. He is joining us right now on the Irish Network's hotline. CeeLo, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Swain. Mr. McKee, it's always good to be with you guys. Mr. Lowe, sir. <laughs> hey, I hear you had my classmate on earlier this morning. Is that correct? C.D. Charles Davis. Charles missed. I want this on the record. Charles missed way more astronomy seven fifty five astronomy classes up on the hill, circa eighty three eighty four than I did. So I'm calling him out on that. Yeah, I don't think he needed that to be the voice of Madden. Yeah, and and he was dealing with a a broken fibula. I don't. I don't think that you were. Charles, um, I'd say Charles is. uh, It's done quite well for himself. Yeah, just he, a little bit. He 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 doesn't need to know about the stars and stuff when he is um, being the voice of Madden. I think I think I think he's good. Uh, you know what? Well, it's funny thing about Charles. I'm sure he told you when I met Charles in school. You know, he came to Tennessee from somewhere up in New York, maybe upstate New York or somewhere up in the Northeast. So I always thought he was from the Northeast, but he actually had family, or maybe during his early childhood lived in Elizabethan. Yep, he's born there. And uh, until later on, all the time we were in school, I never knew that. It was only later on that he told me that. So he was, so he was a vol at birth, I guess you could say. He 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 really was, man. He really really was. Um, I know you got Johnny Major stories for days, Chris. As we um, honor Coach Majors with this game this weekend. The Johnny Majors Classic, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, um, is 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 a good football team, and and um, you know they come in with with a lot of confidence, and um, they have a senior quarterback who's played a lot of football that um, is, is is very very athletic, can throw it, can can you know can lead the teams real tough, but um, this this game means everything in Tennessee because Johnny Majors means everything in Tennessee, and so. Uh, Charles told some unbelievable stories in the first hour, hour, Chris. And I know you got some great stories as well. I saw the article you wrote where uh, Jackie Sherrill is going to serve as the honorary captain for Pitt um, in this game on, on Saturday. So, uh, Chris, what stood out to you? Uh, what stands out to you when you hear uh, Coach Johnny Major's name? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be on the same show seriously as, as Charles Davis and, and, and Jackie Sherrill, two guys that uh, know Coach Majors well, coached with him, played with him, um, or played for him in Charles's case. I, I, you know, I want to start Swain by making a little bit of a plea. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a real shame that Coach Majors is not in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach. You know, he's in as a player. You know, having finished his runner-up, I guess it was in 56, 
to Paul Hornig, which was a crime in itself, and the Heisman Trophy. Um, but he should be in as a coach, too. And the only reason he's not is he went back to Pittsburgh mm. at a time when the program was really down, I think 93 to 96 as coach, and had a did not have a great record. And that took his record below the threshold of what they allegedly, supposedly consider for coaches to be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, he won a national championship. He re- rebuilt the Iowa State program, the Pitt program, the Tennessee program. He coached Heisman Trophy winner and Tony Dorsett. Of course, it was Tony Dorsett back <laughs> in those days before he became a star with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but there's no reason Coach Major should not be in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach, which yep. would make him one of the select few to be in there as a player and a coach. Uh, Steve Spurrier is. Uh, I think there's maybe one or two more, but I know Spurrier is, but Coach Major should too. And uh, this has been talked about over the years. I've talked about it with people who are on that committee. And um, I just, you know, now that Coach Majors is gone, I would have loved for it to happen while he was still alive. But it's uh, it, it really should happen. I think most people who coach with Coach Majors and played for him, coached against him. You talk to the people who coached against him. Ask Coach Cheryl, when you talk to Coach Cheryl later this morning, if he thinks he should be in the Hall of Fame as a coach. I know what his answer is, but John Major should be absolutely in the Hall of Fame as a, as a football coach. Looking at his record, 185, uh, 137, and 10, 9-6 uh, in bowl games, and uh, won national championship in, in 76, um, three SEC championships, 85, 89, and 90. Um, I agree with you. I mean, he goes back to Pittsburgh, and you know that's that's really the only reason. Do you think that that's a black and white issue there, or you think there's some gray area to where uh, eventually he, he he gets in? Well, I don't know. It's been a while now. It's, you know, I think it's like most things, Swain. The longer it goes, maybe the less chances he has to get in it. But I'm you know I'm here to stand up for Coach Mays and say he deserves to be in there. And I think other people have some over the years. But it, it needs that we all need to sort of beat that drum a little bit louder. Uh, again, look at his career in its totality. I mean, look at what Iowa State was before he went there. What Pitt was before he went there. What Tennessee was. And I know. I remember him telling me this quite often. <laughs> and I love I loved his voice. He'd say, "I went to Tennessee when they needed me, not when I needed them. We had the talent at Pitt to win a lot more national championships." You know what? He's right. He did. But he came home because Tennessee was his alma mater. His family was entrenched, you know, in Tennessee lore. And uh took him a while in Tennessee to get the program back to where everybody wanted to be. But, boy, when he got it rolling, it started rolling and really sort of paid the, or laid the foundation for the success they had under Coach Fulmer there in the 90s. I still think his 85 team, I'm biased because I was in school then, but I think party. the 85 Sugar Bowl team was as beloved a team as Tennessee's had in the last, maybe ever. Now, everybody says, oh, what about the 98 National Championship team? Well, that was a great team, too. And I think they certainly have their place among the greatest, most beloved teams. But that 85 team brought Tennessee football back. And the way they just annihilated Miami in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and Swain, I, I'm going to tell him myself, I did spend a few nights on Bourbon Street that week leading up to the game. <laughs> just a few. 
I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep on Bourbon Street any that week. Although a few of the people I was down there with, some of whom I won't call their names, uh, but I did spend a few nights carousing on Bourbon Street that week. But that team was just unbelievable. That everything it overcame. You know, Tony Robinson goes down with a knee injury that year. Daryl Dickey steps in. The defense, coordinated by the late Ken Donahue, just absolutely, again, annihilated Miami. Beat Alabama in a memorable game there at Legion Field. Dell Jones was deflecting the pass, intercepting it. You know, again, I'm 56 years old this October. When I think of Tennessee football, when I think of beloved teams, that 85 team comes to mind. In a lot of ways, that team epitomized Coach Majors. You know, his fight, his determination, his pride. You know, in Tennessee football, and just never quit attitude. And he was he was that kind of guy. And I think anybody that ever spent some time around him knew just how um, how much he loved not only the University of Tennessee but the state. You know, he loved to, to talk about history and everything that had happened, not only in the state of Tennessee but American history. And, you know, one of the last times I had a chance to see see and talk with Coach Majors was in 2018 or 2019. I was down in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl, and I'd gone over. My hotel was close to the World War II Museum in New Orleans, which I would ask or tell anybody who remotely loves history and really loves this country, anytime you're in New Orleans, go to the World War II Museum. It's unbelievable. Well, I'm walking through there, and if, if you have time, go and take about four hours, because I spent three and a half hours and could have spent another two hours in it. And I'm probably only been there 10 or 15 minutes. I'm sort of walking through. I've got a couple of colleagues of mine from ESPN who are with me. And I hear this unmistakable voice, Chris Lowe! Chris Lowe! <laughs> and I look around. It's Coach Majors. He's by himself. Touring the museum. Again, he loved history. And he starts telling me all about the museum. Now, you need to you need to go to the European chapter first. And then the Pacific chapter. It's like he's breaking down a football game, you know. And he's telling you where to go and what to see. Well, he was there because he was being inducted into the Sugar Bowl Hall of Fame. That was why he was there for the week and for the game. But again, just to sort of show you just how well-rounded he was and what a history buff he was, he was there at the World War II Museum. And I told him, I said, Coach, I've always wanted to go to Normandy and make that trip to Normandy. And he looked at me, conviction in his eyes. He said, I've been, and you need to go. It's one of the greatest trips I've ever had. And um, just those those interactions with him. We used to go to lunch occasionally with Bill Petty, a friend and attorney here in Knoxville. It's the lunch house out on Magnolia Avenue, little White House swing that sits right there on Magnolia, just serves lunch. Coach Majors would always get a vegetable tray. He'd, he'd order like four or five vegetables, and they'd bring it to his table on, a, on like a big um, a big tray. And the little dishes of, I don't know, collard greens, corns, green beans. And he'd put them on the table, and he'd wear these, like, loose-fitting warm-up, like Nike warm-up jackets. And he'd be reaching across the table to grab his soup beans, and his, his jacket would be dropping in the soup beans while he's telling stories about the 1980 Georgia-Tennessee game. It just was, um, what a treasure he was, man. And, and he could tell stories starting in the 50s and going to the 60s and going to the 70s and going to the 80s and just going on and on and on and every story. It was just so compelling. You want to sit there and listen to him for hours. Um, I mean, I could sit here and talk about it for hours. I know you don't have hours, but I guess my best story, my best personal story about Coach Majors 
was when I was a, I guess it was a sophomore, junior, senior, right in there. I, I don't know. I was working at the Daily Beacon, a student paper on campus. And Tennessee was recruiting a running back from here in town, Leroy Thompson, who went on to play at Penn State. But at the time, he was probably the top-rated running back in the country. Played Austin East. And he was on his visit. I remember Kippy Brown was one of his, was sort of spearheading his recruitment and swarming around campus. And he was in, interested in communications, communications and broadcasting and media. Well, they brought him by the student newspaper on his visit to sort of look around. They had sent me a note. Coach Majors had sent me a note and wanted to know when he came what I sort of talked to him a little bit about the, you know, what the media was like and what studying broadcasting and journalism was like at Tennessee and what the program was like and working in student publications. And, and I was honored. First of all, it was Coach Majors calling me and asking me to do something. I was 19 or 20 years old. And sure enough, they brought him in the office that day and there's Kippy and and, and I think Leroy's family was with him, and he looked around. He asked a lot of questions, and I, you know, I answered him. I guess I didn't do a good enough job because he ended up going to Penn State. It's your fault. So I'm surprised that I got my uh, diploma. But uh, a week later, or two weeks later, I can't remember what it was. That was pretty close to signing day, and you know, Tennessee at that time was was rolling pretty good. But Penn State was Penn State, and he went to Penn State, but. I'll never forget, Coach Major sent me a handwritten letter thanking me for my effort and taking the time to help them. And this is, again, I think after they had already lost Leroy Thompson to Penn State. But thanking me for my time and to be there and everything I did to help um, Tennessee and to help recruit this kid and, and, and thanking me for everything I did. And the last, I think, remember the last line of the letter or the note was, good luck in your studies, best of luck to you, Thank you for representing this university. You know, sign and it was always in that orange ink. Coach, and it was John Majors because you know I never heard Coach Majors refer to himself as Johnny Majors. It was always John Majors, and Johnny sort of was a, a creation of the media. I think when he played football, and then after he started coaching, it was the Johnny Majors. But his closest friends and his family. And, and certainly Coach Majors himself, always referred to himself as John Majors. I mean, when he would call me, he was like, and he was <laughs> he was always both your name when he called you. Jason Swain, Chris Lowe, John Majors here. But uh, he, he uh, that's one of the one of my most fondest memories, or my fondest memories of Coach, is him writing me that letter, that handwritten letter. And uh, all these years later, he always remembered me, you know, and even as he got older, you know, he might not remember everything, but he remembered who I was and stories and remembered I was from the Carolinas. Uh, and that's, uh, th- those are the kind of stories, man, you, you know, and you cherish forever. And I, I know everybody from Charles to coach Cheryl to everybody who ever played for him, you know, has those kind of stories. We talked the other night on the nation swing to Alan Cockle, who played quarterback for coach majors in 82 and 83. And also was a great baseball player, Tennessee, all American player. And um, he he says the same thing, you know, that Coach Majors came to hear him speak at Tennessee Baseball Clinic, or Coach's Clinic, a few years ago. And he said, I had a chance to spend some time with him before he passed. And, and Alan said, even from 40 years ago, Coach Majors was reminding the stuff that happened and plays and things and games. And uh, I, uh, you know, Tennessee, the university and the state, how uh, 
how lucky, how blessed are we to have had somebody like John Major in our lives. Sure. Wow. Chris, you kind of mentioned it earlier, uh, the, the traits that made Johnny Major so great. What do you think was the one trait, though, that made him the, the great football coach that he was? Passion. He didn't do anything half, half-hearted. He did everything like that day was the championship, that drill, that meeting, that recruiting trip. I mean, he, he had that passion and that drive. And it was fueled by the fact that he was Tennessee. He was from Tennessee, much like Coach Fulmer. I mean, you look, there's no, guys, there's no coincidence in my mind that that era, Coach Majors to Coach Fulmer, was, you know, some of the best, certainly in my lifetime, some of the best football that we've seen played at Tennessee. Both men from Tennessee, both men played at Tennessee. But Coach Majors, you know, his father, and his brothers, I mean, it meant something to him to coach football at Tennessee. I mean, it, it meant something to him. But the way he went about his business, Ben, every single day, I mean, he being a 6'5", 350-pound offensive or defensive lineman's face, I mean, here's, here's Coach Majors. I don't know how tall he was. Probably weighed about 150 pounds soaking wet. And he'd be up in their face like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if he – I don't know. Should we say this now? Maybe he might even grab their face mask. I know in this day and age we're not supposed to talk about that kind of thing. But uh, he, he was fiery, man. He'd sit up there and watch practice from the top of his tower. And, boy, you knew he started to come down that tower. I, I'm sure Charles told you guys about some of those stories. Oh, yeah. When he came down that tower, time stood still. <laughs> and you were hoping and praying as a player that you hadn't missed a block. Or you hadn't done, you know, and because and, his secondary, Charles continued, the secondary was sort of his, yeah. that was his bait. Yeah, Charles defensive told a story about that one. Back play. And if you're a defensive back, you you know, you stepped the wrong way, you turned your head, or you didn't do something technically sound, and he started coming down those stairs, again, literally the time stood still because you knew you were getting ready to get a, um, well, I'll, again, 2021, so I won't say what you're about to get. But he was getting ready to get in your grill. Let's put it that way. Chris Lowe, ESPN here. Um, some of the Johnny Major stories that stand out to me that have me just rolling are the ones about him calling someone and then getting their voicemail and then <laughs> him him like talking to the voicemail, leaving a message as if he's talking to you. <laughs> and then you turn, you turn around. It was like a ten-minute voicemail <laughs> in your inbox, man. That's that's some of the funniest stories I've I've heard, and I've heard it from multiple people, Chris. Well, you know, Paul Feinbaum went to school in Tennessee. I know Tennessee fans don't claim him, but he did. Has his degree from Tennessee. And he was in school when Coach Majors came back in '77, first year as head coach. And Paul and I tell those stories, and. uh Coach Majors, and I told Paul this when I was on his show one time, you know, Coach Majors did a lot of things well. The one thing he didn't do real well is navigate his cell phone and his voicemail. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Chris. Hey, one day, one day I was at a, I was at a cellular uh, phone store, and, like, I used to bump into Coach Majors all, all the time. I, one time at Beatty Chevrolet, I was like, dude, what are you, what are you 
doing here? And then like the other time was at a at a at a sales store. And uh he he was fired up because he couldn't get the thing to work. He was like, Man, what's going on with this thing? Man? I just I don't know what's going on. And uh when you said that it made me think about that, man. He was so, so frustrated. Yeah, everybody was young man. <laughs> I bet he was talking to that guy, the guy at the sales store. Young man, young man. <laughs> everybody was young man, you know, to coach yeah. majors. But he when we first moved to, to Knoxville, my wife and I, we uh we still back in the dark ages, we still had a landline. So this was 90, I don't know, 96, 97, we moved back, 98. And I would call him, and I guess he had a cell phone at that point. I would call him and leave a message for him. And I would be gone. He would call me back, and he would leave a message on my landline answering machine. We started an answering machine. And I remember I came home one day, my wife, Julie, said, Chris, you had a, uh, a message. God, he was Four, five, six minutes long from a coach. And, and you got to forgive my wife because she didn't grow up in Tennessee. She's in New York, Ohio, Middlesex, New Jersey, and then moved to the Carolinas. So she's not entrenched in Tennessee football the way we are. But she said it was a coach major or majors. And I started smiling. So I went and hit and play. And his grandson, Brandon, who coached majors and his wife, Mary Lynn, essentially raised most of their lives. They were in Washington, D.C., again, to show you how much he loved history. They were taking all these tours. So he goes in his message to me, Chris Lowe, John Major's here. And he proceeds to go down his whole itinerary for the day. We went to the Smithsonian Institute, and we're going to see, go to the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial, and we're going to see the Nationals play later in the just basically everything he'd done that day with his grandson. And at the end, I got your message. Please call me back. Mm-hmm. You know, so I call him back, leave another message. And he called me, and he could never, for whatever reason, he couldn't get his messages. And we would actually talk a couple of times after I'd leave him a message, and then he would call me back and say, Chris Lowe just got your message. John May, I said, well, Coach, we talked last week. He said, well, I'm just now getting your message. And, and just... So he never really, again, never really wrapped his hands around completely around the cell phone and the whole voice message. But um, my father-in-law was sort of the same way, and my dad sort of like that. So I get it. But uh, he, he uh, some of those stories about the cell phone, leaving messages with him, and when he would call you back, I, I would give anything, Jason. I would give anything if I would have kept those tapes on my voice recorder. It actually was a not a voicemail. It was actually an answering machine we had attached to a landline if i would have kept those of some of those long men i say five minutes i'm exaggerating but i guarantee you they were, they were a minute minute and a half long that he left on my answering machine just uh, him talking about what they'd done in dc and what they were going to do and you know it's just uh, again that's that's him and, that's uh, we, we could talk about him forever but i'm so glad that universities pittsburgh and tennessee are going to honor him and uh, I wish you were here. I wish, um, you know, I, I know his family, John Ireland, still around. But it's, uh, it makes, um, you know, it, it really, it makes me sad to think that Coach Majors is not around. Because, you know, when I went to school, and I, was, I think we all sort of look back, just like your coach was Coach Majors when you played. And I didn't play football at Tennessee. But we, we think about when we're in school somewhere, we play somewhere. 
at the time, whoever was the coach, that's our coach. Well, Coach Majors was my coach because he was the coach when I was in school at Tennessee. And uh, so blessed to have been there during a time in the season, 1985, that will remain, in my mind, one of the greatest ever in Tennessee football history. Uh, Chris, man, I want to I want to get you out on, on this, man, talking about the freaking game. I mean, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, Pat Narduzzi, he's been there a few years, and he's established – you know his his culture there. Um, you know they've they've been they've been pretty good. I mean they have been bad, they have been great, but they've been solid. And um, you know they're they're a good football team. And you know, Tennessee is going to have to play some good ball to beat them. Um, what can you tell us about about Pittsburgh from uh, your time um, covering college football and and knowing uh, Pat Dar- Pat Narduzzi? Yeah, well I go back with Pat all the way back to when he was in Michigan State with. Uh, Mark D'Antonio's defensive coordinator. You know, Pat's a little bit of the exception to the rule now, Sweeney. This is his seventh year, I think, in Pitt. Coaches don't stay, don't stay at one place very long anymore. He was, I think, at um, Michigan State eight to ten years with D'Antonio. So he's been a, a guy who's been in one place and was at Cincinnati before that. But he's been in one place for a long time. He is a defensive-minded, tough-minded coach whose defenses have always, just about always, been really good. They're good at linebacker. Uh, they lost two guys up front last year to the NFL. So their pass rush this year generated more by the linebackers, the outside guys. You know, Their quarterback, Kenny Pickett, I was kidding Narduzzi the other night. I think he's been playing since the Reagan administration. He's been there forever. Mm. You know, he's got starts in four different seasons. This is a, He's in his fifth year. He started a game, I think, in 17. Started some in 18, 19 last year. Now here you're starting again. So I don't think the whole Neyland State environment is going to really phase him being on the road. Uh, they are good at receiver. I don't think they're great. But he's a guy that can run. He can throw it. I think he will be an NFL draftee. So Tennessee's going to have to get some pressure on him, try to get him out of his rhythm and not let him get into the rhythm. I think the big thing they got to do is they can't let Pitt run the football. You know, if you're Tennessee, you want to see Pitt throwing it 40-plus times a game. You really would love to see him throwing it 35, 38, 40 times a game simply because he can't run it. Now, he can throw it, but I think, you know, it's a difference in throwing it, you know, when you've got some rhythm going and you've got some balance in your offense and having to throw the football. I think that's what Tennessee wants to put Pitt in that position where they have to throw it. But they'll be good on defense. Uh Milton's going to have to have guys around him play better. He's going to have to play better and be more instinctive throwing the football because Pitt's going to come after him. They're going to do some different things, and they certainly have better people in the secondary, better people coming after him physically way, way better than Bowling Green did. But I think this is a good matchup. When you look around, you look at the matchup Saturday around the country, I think this has a chance to be as, as close a matchup with the way the teams sort of stack up as as any in college football. And I think it's a big game, certainly for both teams. But for Tennessee, it, to me, it's the sort of the seesaw game swing. If they can win it, then I think Tennessee's got an excellent chance to get to a bowl game this year. If they don't win it, then it's going to be pretty difficult. Chris Lowe, ESPN, senior writer at ESPN. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at CLO, ESPN. Uh, man, Chris, man, thanks so much for 
for your time sharing those Johnny Major stories. It's going to be a good one this weekend. Uh, are you going to be in town for this one, or are you on the road for assignment? No, you know what? It's going to be a game-time decision. I've been on the road a bunch the last week and a half, so I might uh, I might stay at the home, home here with the wife. Can't say the kids anymore because they're all out of the house and watch it on the tube. It'll be, it'll be a game-time decision. I, um, it's funny, I can see so much more football watching on TV Saturday, man. Yep. I felt last Saturday, you know, I saw some of the Miami-Alabama game. I saw some of the Clemson-Georgia game. Some of the UCLA game. But you just don't get to watch when you're on the road covering a game anything like you do when you're actually at home watching it. So I may choose to do that. But uh, I know one thing, over the next couple of days, I won't be able to turn on the radio or TV without seeing you. Oh, here you go. That, there that's, you go. that's the truth, Chris. There I mean, the, the only day that he, he doesn't have anything going on is, is Wednesday. And, and what does he do on Wednesday? He gets the voice of Madden, Charles Davis, number two at CBS, only behind Tony Romo. He's got Charles Davis coming on, Hollywood Chris Lowe coming on, and former SEC coach Jackie Sherrill coming on. I mean, that's on his off day. Don't dare put me in a group with those two, okay? You started the the first thing. You're the president of the fan club. No, I'm not. I'm not anywhere. I'm not at the stratosphere as Charles Davis and Jackie Sherrill. But no, you're right about Swain. You know, I said the only people on more than him were Judge Judy and Dr. Phil. I think Anderson Cooper might be on a little bit more than, and maybe Nora McDonald. He's Knoxville Steve Harvey. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Tennessee Steve Harvey, man. There you go. There I mean, it is. Radio, TV, the Swain event. Um, I mean, uh, uh, speaking engagements. How many people? How many people around the county have you lined up to do speaking engagements, Swain? Um, I just did one a couple weeks See? ago. That's it. I mean, That's it. Let me ask you: Do you have on some? Sissy blue pajamas on right now, Chris Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you you bring your ass on with a with a with old sissy, that sissy blue shirt. <laughs> oh man, God, we Tigers. I don't. We, we might be playing here in the Rose Bowl, but we're the Tigers. We gonna come in here. We are gonna whip y'all's arse. You better be quiet, Chris. You know he don't like that. I know he doesn't. He's not a big it's, fan. But it's just it, like know, a... it's the way he talks. <laughs> he know he don't like, like no that. No different. It's, Coach Majors is gone. It's no difference in talking the way Coach Majors talk. How many times did Charles say today when he was talking about Coach Majors, he would say, attack, attack, yep. attack. <laughs> yep, yep, that's right. So that's, it's no different that's than anybody right. else. Hey, it's uh, Spurrier. I mean, I, I mean I, my Spur, Spurrier's told me my Spur impersonation is not very good. It, it really isn't, to be honest with you. Who's your best one? Probably Coach Ogeron. It sounded just like him. I mean, I thought Probably you were Coach him. Ogeron. Seth Stowe's got the best Spurrier. Yeah, I no, you know who's got match have you ever heard Matt Stenchcomb do Spurrier? Uh the SEC network at the ESPN Analyst? I think he has so. actually called my voicemail and left messages with me. And I know it's him because it's his area code. But I promise you, if you didn't know better, you would swear it was Steve Spurrier. He sounds just like him. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Now the clone the clone does Lou Holt. He he's he's spot on with Lou Holt. Oh, he does he does all of them. He sounds just like him. But hey, that, going back to your being your right, O doesn't like it. But don't we all sort of impersonate all football coaches? That's yes. part of it, man. It's part of it. And players do it the most to their to their own coach. Well, our, our, our buddy Terry Fair had Chief down pat when he would do John Chase. He's another one. If he would call me and he was in his chief voice, 
You would have bet a million dollars it was John Chavis calling. <laughs> oh man! So I mean, we all we all do it, man. And I think it's uh, I think that's part of what makes college football so much fun. Is these guys all are sort of their own their own self. They have their own way of doing it. Coach Cheryl, I know you get ready to have him on, but I'll never forget circa 92-93 at the OSEC media days at the Sheraton in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would get up there at the podium, and he was smart one way because he'd filibuster, so there wouldn't be a lot of room for questions. But he'd start at the depth chart, and he'd, he'd go down the depth chart. He'd start at tight end. He'd go to left tackle, left guard, center. And he'd go right up through the depth chart. He'd always be like, we got a kid. He's a big boy. He runs about, about 6'5", 255 pounds. He really runs well. And then he go to left tackle and left guard. But I can still see him, gosh, that's been almost 30 years ago, running down the depth chart of his team. <laughs> that was the way he started his uh, his assignment or his segment at the SEC Media Days, you know, back in 92, 93. That's how you he do was it. Mississippi State. That's how you do it. That's smart right there. That is that is smart. He must have learned that PR strategy from, from Coach Major, something that Charles, uh, Charles Davis said. Uh, yeah. Well, Coach Majors would tell stories, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fill, fill in the time, fill in the time. Tell stories about calling his dad when he was first the first scrimmage. He, uh, he, he broke a couple – or whatever. He went down and ran. He, back then it was stadium drive. Went down to the – had to go all the way into the stadium drive. There was a payphone. I called my dad. I said, Dad, guess what? They miss tackles in college, too. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Saw that in the documentary, man. Golly, what a what a day so far. What a day so far. Uh, what a week uh, honoring Coach Majors. And this game on Saturday is going to be special. And uh, All right, Chris, I got to get ready. Get ready. Got to take a break. Get ready for uh, Coach Cheryl, man. Thank you so much for your, for your time, man. All right, guys, listen, don't give up on the Tigers. We're going to win some more games this year, I promise. All right, go iron that sissy blue shirt. See ya. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, man. 865-255-03. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Take a uh, timeout, and uh, when we return, uh, we'll have a little time to get to the text box, and then we'll hit up Coach Jackie Sherrill. Uh, coach at several different places as a head coach and uh, coach with Coach Majors, multiple stops, one of the closest people to Coach Majors, and uh, he, he talked to him the day before he passed away. Um, I remember the, the, the show we did five years ago in Johnson City. It was Coach Cheryl, it was Coach Majors, and uh, it was one of the Swain Events' best shows. Uh, we'll talk to Coach Jackie Cheryl at 9 o'clock at the top of the hour. Swain Event, Fuel by Dead End Barbecue.